This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Cliff Eidelman, composer for Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and you are listening to Standard Orbit on Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm your host, Zach Moore, and we have a very special Star Trek Las Vegas discussion for you this week. Now, this is a panel discussion we had uh, with Ken Schiff, myself, Amy Nelson, Justin Oser, Joe Keegan, and Mike Schindler all uh, early in the day on Sunday. Uh, so we're kind of bookending that, that panel with uh, myself here introducing it. And uh, me and my friend Lance Laster, who you heard on last week's, last week's, last year's Star Trek Las Vegas recap. Uh, we're going to talk about um, just a few things to book in things, Sunday's events. And also next week, so you guys know me, Ken Tripp will be back uh, discussing everything related to the original series uh, at the Star Trek Las Vegas, William Shatner's panel, Walter Koenig's panel, the Motion Pictures 40th Anniversary panel. Lots of great stuff uh, directed uh, connected directly to our subject matter on this show. Uh, so we'll have a very specific dedicated podcast towards that next time. Uh, but again, this is a, a panel discussion we kind of had about the, the, the convention in general, not specifically for one show, although a lot of it was about Picard and, and the CBS All Access shows being a lot of speculation about what uh, has been announced, what might be announced in the future, reactions to what we saw here in regards to those things. So uh, we're going to toss you to that right now, and then me and Lance will be back at the end of the podcast, uh, at the end of the panel discussion, uh, to wrap up some things from, from the show here live in Las Vegas so until then, energize. Welcome to Trek FM's Star Trek Las Vegas report. I'm your host of many hosts, Zach Moore, and we have a panel of Trek FM hosts with us to discuss and break down what has occurred this year at 2019 Star Trek Las Vegas. Let's go clockwise and introduce ourselves, everyone. I'm Zach Moore, host of Standard Orbit. I'm Justin Ozer, host of Earl Grey and the Lion. I'm Mike Schindler, host of Tracks on the Edge and Tracks on the Line or something. I don't know what they are. Something like that. I'm Joe Keegan. I am host of Earl Grey. Hi, this is Ken Tripp, host of Standard Orbit. And this is Amy Nelson, host of Earl Grey and the Edge. All right. So always fun to do these live shows all together when we're all in the same room at the same place and we experience something together. 
you know, no Patrick Stewart appearance this year, guys. So not to let you down, but <laughs> that was the high from last year. But we had some cool stuff discussed, and we're just kind of go around and discuss it. So, Amy, let's start with you. I think you've been here the longest because you got here, I think, five years ago, and have been and it never left. So, <laughs> how has uh, SDLB been for you this year? What what have you experienced? Well, one thing that I really wanted to highlight was that we had a fabulous dinner on Friday night. Was that Friday? <laughs> The nights sort of all blur together when you're here. And (laughs) so we had a wonderful 32 people show up, uh, took their time out of their uh, convention time to share dinner with us. Uh, We met a lot of listeners and just really had a very good time. So I just really was very honored and touched that uh, we got to meet so many of the listeners here. I absolutely loved uh, Kate Mulgrew and William Shatner's panel, and we had the Triple J, is what I'm calling them, the Jonathan Frakes, Jonathan Del Arco, and Jerry Ryan panel. I'm here for the people, and here we are in the same room, and that's what I love. So there wasn't really any earth-shattering news this year like last year. Mike, Mike what's, your, what's your analysis of that? Yeah, they know that San Diego is the big splash and that uh, the people coming to Vegas are fans who are going to watch this show anyway. So, you know, you got to go for the big splash in San Diego, right? But, hey, we're getting, you know, we're recording this before the Lower Decks panel, and I imagine that there's going to be a lot of stuff there because unlike all these other panels where you've got a bunch of actors who are like, I can't say anything. Here you've got 10 writers who also probably can't say anything, but at least they know what's going on, right? Because they're the ones who are creating the stuff. So I think that's going to be cool. Definitely. Actually, before I get started, there is one thing that I wanted to say, which um, has colored my experience here a little bit, um, which is that uh, I live in El Paso, Texas, and yesterday there was a a mass shooting there. It was a big tragedy, affected a lot of us um, in that town. Unfortunately, it'll always be kind of coupled with the experience at uh, at Star Trek Las Vegas. So, you know, I've been here since uh, late Thursday. Um, you know, I've been having a great time, but I had to kind of take a pause yesterday and miss a couple of things because of that. So I just wanted to to mention that because that has been part of my my experience here and, you know, all of our our thoughts are with the people in El Paso and El, uh, Dayton, Ohio, going through this kind of thing. Um, so to get to the Star Trek stuff, though, I do think it's quite likely that we'll get a trailer for Lower Decks today because Mike McMahon's been kind of teasing, like, hey, what should I bring out to this thing? So, And for Lower Decks, it's it's a show that I've gotten kind of progressively more excited about. I love the uh, kind of character reveals that they had and talking about what this show is about. As a half-hour comedy, I was like, I don't know, but I've I've become like more excited about it, and I think that um, that is something that we might get later today as a trailer, and maybe we talk about more. But but yeah, I think that's quite likely, and I also think that that might be the reason there weren't really any big reveals at the Picard panel because they would like the focus to be on what comes out of Lower Decks. You mentioned the Picard panel there, and I think last year that was the big you know lightning rod news of everything. This year, well, to be honest, the card panel was fun. You know, Jonathan Frakes is always fun. They're a little bit, Jerry Ryan was teasing a lot of stuff. We got a lot more from Jonathan Del Arco as, as Hugh. I mean, he's apparently going to be a big part of the show. I had no idea that you and Jerry Ryan were so close and all that. So they all keep it in the board family there. But like you said, Mike, it's like people, like Jonathan Frakes comes out. He's literally wearing a don't ask me anything. I signed an NDA shirt, right? And it's like, yes, 
they're this weird point where they filmed everything and they know stuff and we want to know stuff, but they can't tell us. And it's almost like, well, what can this panel be? Right? And they showed the trailer again, which was cool. Um, but other than that, there really um, was anything big on the Picard front. So, I mean, how cool was it that we got to hear how they kept Jerry Ryan and Jonathan Del Arco like silent? You know, because they've already filmed, I don't know how many episodes. Seven or eight now, something like that. Yeah, and so they put her, what was she saying, the Harry Potter reference? The... Yeah, so there, there was something that was kind of fun, which is they said they did some um, filming at Universal City Walk. It sounded like while stuff was going on and the public was there and they're behind like some tram of tourists, but Jerry Ryan was talking about having like this huge hood over her head or whatever. So I think that's kind of amazing that nothing got out from that. But she was, there were like little tidbits because I think... Um, it was revealed that the first episode she's in is the first one Jonathan Frakes directs, which is episode three. And uh, she said at one point, my first two episodes, so she's in more than two, which is cool. And it, it seems like from the things that Jonathan Del Arco was saying that he is in more than one episode. He's kind of an important part of it. I mean, I don't think these two people are regulars on the show, but it seems like there's stuff going on. And then also uh, Jonathan Frakes was saying that he's re filming some more stuff as Riker this week. And I thought like, they had that next week as well. Like the interesting thing with Picard is they're doing these blocks of two episodes. So it's kind of like, it, I don't. I wonder if we're going to get like a little mini two episode mini arcs within this 10 episode arc. So there were like little bits and pieces, nothing huge, no surprise guests or anything, but there were little bits and it was cool just to see the three of them kind of interact together. As far as the two episode at a time thing, uh, that is something that some TV shows do, I think. Like 24 used to do it all the time where they would shoot two at a time. I think it was just kind of more of a scheduling thing than, than anything. But it, it was interesting that he said that each episode is going to have its own identity. And where everyone else has been talking about how this is going to be like one 10-hour movie, he, I think, misinterpreted that and said it's going to be like 10 one-hour movies. And that seems to be his approach when it comes to directing, even if it's nobody else's. So that's kind of weird. One of the reasons we came back, apart from to see Amy Nelson and meet Justin Ozer, my amazing co-hosts, is to have that experience that we had last year when Patrick Stewart turned up and surprised us all and I couldn't see the stage for tears. Um, luckily, I managed to film it. Um, so I was kind of disappointed yesterday that we didn't have some because the rumors that built up around the Picard panel yesterday had me super excited. It was like one of two panels that I've seen all all of SLV this year, um, so I really wanted something big. And if they don't give us something today in terms of lower decks, I think we should send Amy Nelson to go and have a strong word with them. That's that's pretty rough, man. Um, calling out the big guns. Yeah, you know, funny. Um, just going back over this this convention holistically, it's 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 been a blast. Starting off with um, the different panels, uh, I was thrilled because it's the 40th anniversary of the motion picture. So I'm I'm you guys are all talking about the future. I'm stuck in the past, which is probably why I do standard orbit. But <laughs> one of the things that uh, was really really cool was the uh, special effects panel that they had and how they made all that, um, that that whole movie come together from an effects point of view, the pressure they were under, but then the methods. I love learning how things happen and uh, having Dr. Turnbull uh, there. Trumbull, excuse me. He, he did just a, a phenomenal job. There were three other folks up there on the panel, the Akutas, 
and uh, the production manager, yeah, Rex Sternbach. But it really was Doug's show, and um, just his whole history up was was phenomenal. I didn't catch Kate Mulgrew. I heard she was phenomenal. Uh, I thought the MVPs up until that point were um, Jason Isaacs. He just owned the stage. Now, Anson Mount is an incredible specimen to look at. He is not an incredible specimen to listen to. He sounded like Lumberg from The Office. It was just like plodding. Anson Mount is just very relaxed. You know, I mean, if you're if you're in a room and you're tired and you want to sleep, put it, put him on. He's like he's, he's great. He has, he has good stuff, but he's just very low energy. And Isaacs came in and bumped it up. I thought a lot. So I'm, it's nothing against Anson Mount. I think he's he's phenomenal as Pike because if there's a Pike show, obviously that would be a standard orbit thing. But um, <laughs> but if um if you go back, then William Shatner came out and uh, 88 years old and phenomenal i mean he's walking back and forth on the stage sharp he's going back and forth with the fans and it was all fun it was all in fun he was funny i thought i love the way he gets out there and just plugs all the things that he's doing he's such a salesman but then got into it and i thought he also answered some pretty heavy questions in a very respectful way uh talking about nimoy and some of the other things that had come up so you know that that part of it for me was was a lot of fun. So I, I enjoyed that and um, and meeting a lot of the uh, the folks out on the floor, the uh, the the we'll say the talent for lack of a better term. Everybody's very kind here. You can have great conversations with them. But for me, the whole thing has been seeing you guys again and uh, and meeting uh, Joe and 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 Justin for the first time personally, and, and then meeting a whole group of folks. I didn't know and wound up spending most of my time with them uh, outside the convention. Just just great people. So for me, again, it, it was about the people. It was, it was that din Trek FM dinner we had, hanging out with the Trek Geeks crew um, and just and just the folks. And, and it always um, amazes me because I haven't been to a, um, a conference in a few years just what this is all about. Right. It is so less about the shows and more about watching all the people from all walks of life doing what they do, nobody judging, and having a great time. I think that's that's what it's all about. I give people a lot of credit for that. And for those that did the cosplay, phenomenal. I love the creativity. I, I would love to have that uh, ability, uh, but I, I was so impressed. So for me, STLV has been a huge success. I think from um, an emotional level, getting you know kind of reinvigorated in with, with the teams and just meeting uh, great people all around. And, you know, I, I really had a great time here. This year, um, the convention has got a completely different dynamic for me. Um, like first convention was two years ago, second was last year, and the focus was on meeting the the guests and going to panels. And now I've seen two panels in kind of four days, um, and stayed up far too late, um, um, which is really interesting. Um, it wouldn't be right if we did this podcast and didn't mention the name Ria Papa Giorgio purely because she likes the way I say her name <laughs> and the fact that it's been her first convention this year and she said last night we went out for dinner, there's a few of us went out for dinner and she said how special it had been made just by purely by the, the interactions that she's had um, with other fans So, And Joe, why don't you tell us about your cosplay and what you've done I know, I'm like super famous now <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm become, quickly becoming known as the scant guy. So all our cosplay has been scants of various types. TNG scants, some disco scants, and some disco mirror universe scants with yeah, ungodly high stiletto 
like thigh high PVC boots that were impossible to walk in, uh, which was good fun yesterday. You know, one other thing that I really, really enjoyed and it really got to me emotionally was the Picard exhibit. And it just took me back memory lane, seeing all of the props and some of the things that they created, like Picard, the awards and recognitions that he's received, even though they weren't used on screen, right? They were just made for this exhibit and to add context and complete his story. And they had, you know, Stargazer and picture with him and uh, Jack Crusher and you know, I was just walking through and, oh, they had the Happy Picard Day poster. Just, it really got to me in part because, you know, reliving and feeling those memories and, and what Star Trek means to me. But then in this convention where, like we were saying, it's about the people. And so to be going through that experience with fans from everywhere was very, very special and we put some of the pictures in the official STLV thread on the Babel conference that we have there. Was there a picture of uh, Tom Hardy as Shinzon as a cadet there? I didn't see that, Amy, from Nemesis. That has been erased from the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the things that they have in there are all the Dixon Hill novels, which are really cool to look at. By Tracy Torme. Right, which is also very cool. But then on the side, they have a little like description of them, and they're like, oh, these are books, and you know, Picard, like, even though we have pads and stuff like that and Kindles, he still likes to read books on occasion. And all I could think of is, like, if he were around today, he'd be one of those guys listening to vinyl and going to see, like, movies on 35 millimeter. He is such a hipster. Well, they're showing a 70 millimeter Tarantino movie. Got to go to that one, right? Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yep. One of the interesting things about Picard in general is everything is locked in the past. You know, the, the winery, the house. There's no modern amenities in it, even by our standards. The doors. The doors, yeah. It's, it's funny, and it is interesting to me how science fiction often goes back and makes it feel modern. It's, it's a bizarre thing. Um, but, but you're right, Mike. I, I love that, that attribute. Um, they kind of hinted at that with Kirk. They never developed him much. You don't know a lot about his past at all compared to Picard. But you do remember in Star Trek II, he had you know antiques everywhere and things along. So we kind of thought along those lines. But he's living in a high-rise, you know, uh, uh, you know, building overlooking San Francisco. I, I think he was still having a good time. So there is a, a big difference between those two characters. But I, I do love the whole um, uh, Picard kind of uh, background family in that in that reaching into the past. I think a lot of um, uh, great leaders uh, in history, especially military ones. Um, had a fondness for the past because you learn so much from it, and I, I see that that kind of explorer type of mindset with the way they've they fleshed out this character. They've really done a nice job with him. It'll be fun to explore it further when the show starts. You know, speaking of Picard, because um, that's, that's the big thing we're all looking forward to. I thought it was inter- something interesting that Jonathan Frakes, I believe, said during the panel. He was saying that when Next Gen came out, people were kind of hostile towards it. Like, ah, what are you replacing Kirk, Spock, and McCoy with these new people for, right? Deep Space Nine was kind of weird, you know, as opposed to, like, what we knew of from Star Trek. Voyager, I think everybody was pretty excited about Voyager. I know a lot, a lot of people were like, give us a Captain Sulu show. We still are, right? I remember saying as a 15-year-old kid, Voyager is going to be the best Star Trek show ever. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be the only one where people were, like, all on board for because then Enterprise is like, why are we doing a prequel? And then Discovery says, why are we doing a prequel? And then like Picard, 
is arguably like the one that people are like really super excited for. There's not like what are they doing? Wow! Like every like even the announcement, the trailer, the characters. So it's a very you know positive time to be a Star Trek fan because people are really looking forward to this. Is it? I think it's a really uniting thing in the fandom. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. And Ken, you were talking about these science fiction characters in the future thinking about the past because in a certain way, as Star Trek fans, we're taking inspiration from the past as well from this vision that started in in the 60s with Gene Roddenberry and all of that. So I think it it is interesting because even in our own lives, we look back to things we're inspired by from the past while looking forward to the future. So I think that's really realistic. And it was interesting, Jonathan Frake said that like, hey, I know when all this stuff happened with TNG and Discovery or whatever, people were like, ah, but now with Picard, they're like, yay. I mean, I have seen a couple of people who are like, I'm really not into this, but the vast majority are like, I can't wait to see this show. So that, that kind of energy is is really interesting. And also that we're getting all of these different kinds of shows. I mean, I you know, Discovery is different than Picard's going to be, is different than Lower Decks would be, is different than a Nickelodeon show would be, is different than Section 31 would be. So I think it's it's really smart what they're doing. And some people will be into little bits of it. Some people will be into all of it. So it'll just be interesting to see kind of where they go with that. But one thing I want to make sure that I mention is that I saw the panel with our own Aaron Harvey, who hosts Saturday Morning Trek. He got to talk about his official guide to the animated series. And it was great, of course, to see that attention. And the panel was really full. And he had his book here a month early. I got a copy and Aaron sold out. So I just wanted to mention that because it's not just stuff that's that's going on for things that are um, you know, going on in the future, or things that people think about a lot, like the original series or, or Next Generation. There was some love for the animated series, which I love, so... Wanted to mention that. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of, not that we need to be legitimized, but kind of legitimizes what we do because we have a fellow podcaster who wrote a book and now it's published and it's officially licensed. Yeah. Yeah, official CBS book. (laughs) The pictures and everything. So, yeah, I I bought it. Ken bought one as well. A lot of us got his books and and it's great to see Aaron have that success because he's worked a long time really hard on that book for a while. So, it's it's good to see that come into fruition. Speaking of books, uh, they also, I mean, this is like the only real news that's come out so far, but. They're doing a uh, three-part Picard miniseries comic followed by a novel. And these things are coming out November, December, January, and February, which means that the show is probably going to drop in February or March, right? I mean, logically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that 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 definitely makes sense. I think I think we got clues about that. But also, for those of us that do read the, the Star Trek novels, there was quite a bit of news. They announced a lot of the schedule for uh, next year, including two Kelvin timeline books that have been shelved for a really long time. So I'm excited about that. So we're going to get that more original series books. I think they confirmed Kirsten Byers Voyager book is going to come out next year, which she's been working on. Um, So there's a lot of stuff going on. Of course, you know, there have been all of these great novels that have happened in the post nemesis timeline. Uh, Seems like it would be a separate timeline now. We're not sure like what's going to happen with that, but they're working on it. But Star Trek legends, I think they're going to call it right (laughs) You joked about that last year. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it, it's exciting for that because there's all of this this content. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But there's all these shows and there's comics and there's books and like, it's incredible. And I think that now that they have the special like franchise group within CBS for Star Trek, they're thinking about all of this stuff to do and all of these tie-ins. And I've even seen Star Trek shirts like sold in more places like at you know, coals and different places like that. So they're really trying to expand it, and that's that's been encouraging to see. So I've got a, a couple of questions for you guys. Um, I think it's interesting that with all the new series coming on, 
my thought, I'm going to make a general prediction, see if you agree with this, and I'll make a couple of things. So, first of all, there's been no Quentin Tarantino talk at all, and I think that has a lot to do, you know, with the with the fact that you know CBS and Paramount aren't together. So, between a week to 15 or 16 days after this drops, we will know if there's an agreement in principle for these two companies to come together. So that'll be interesting. And that will change the dynamic of these conventions quite a bit. That's one. But my question is, and I know you'll hit Tarantino in a second, Mike, but following that, here's a question. Do you believe that Section 31 will not go forward and they'll switch it for a Pike series? I believe that will happen. I, I think the I think Section 31 is probably a lot further along than any of us believe. If they're talking about rolling right into it after Discovery Season 3, I mean, they've got to be pretty heavy into pre-production at this point, whereas they would, in a sense, kind of have to start from scratch with Pike, right? I mean, they got the short tracks, they got the set. Yeah, they got the set. That's a big thing. Right. But I mean, I don't I mean, I think they'll both happen, but I think Section 31 is going to be first. As far as like Tarantino Trek, I mean, I think that's going to be one of those things where regardless of what the deal is or what they plan on doing, if Tarantino says, I want to do Star Trek, they're going to be like, okay, here you go, you know, so. I want to see more movie representation at oh, these yeah. conventions because this is CBS covered and licensed by CBS. And so if they have the two, I'd love to see more Kelvin stuff. I want to see more movie stuff. That That's what I'm hoping. We'll know a lot more in a week or two. That would be huge. I mean, you know, I remember the convention in 2015 when, you know, Beyond was in production and there was literally no talk about it at all. And it's like, come on, guys, at least pretend, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it is a really good good point, Ken. I mean, it seems like from everything that we're reading that this CBS, um, well, I guess it's CBS Viacom, really, and Viacom owns Paramount, merger is going to happen unless there's some like catastrophic thing. And that could change everything because you could, I hope, get a lot more movies more star trek movies things based on tv series i don't know discovery movie pike movie whatever i mean there's a lot of stuff that you could get and that would change the dynamic of the convention where hopefully you would get things about hey here are the new series that are coming and here are the new movies that are coming and let's talk about the you know kelvin movies that already happened you know which hardly happens because you just get a few guests here and there um but I agree with Mike. I think that um, the Section 31 series is going to happen. They're very much invested in it. They very much want to roll into it right after Discovery. I think a Pike series is very likely to also happen because of the short treks, because Alex Kurtzman at Comic-Con said, hey, guys, do you want a Pike series? And as Mike pointed out in previous podcasts, you don't do that unless you really intend on doing that. So I think that, that both can happen. And I think that you know, what What they've said for the executives at CBS All Access, that they want to have something Star Trek on all the time. It seems like that's what they're aiming toward. Not that they'll have multiple shows on top of each other, but they'll have like, here's the show for this quarter and then the next quarter and then the next one. So you might have three to four like every year. And I think as, as Mike and I had talked about before, it seems like the strategy might be to have three seasons of each show and then kind of roll into the next one based on all the stuff that they've said. So you might get three seasons of Discovery and then Section 31 starts. You might get three seasons of Picard and maybe there's something else. You might get three seasons of Pike and then something else. So I think they intend to like do all of that. So I think both will happen, most likely. If it's got um, the Star Trek label on it, you know I'm going to watch it. But if there's any opportunity for us to have more Anson Mount, and Ethan Peck, then yeah, I would. I want. I want that now. 
need that in my life. Well, one thing I wanted to ask, like you were saying that Section 31 is going to come, like I sort of felt like it's going to be Picard, then an animated, then... Well, no, I was going to say, like, based on everything that, that we know and what's in production, I think it's likely you'll get Picard, then you'll get Season 3 of Discovery, then you'll get Lower Decks, then after that, maybe Section 31 or something else. But, I mean, they've started shooting for, for Discovery about a couple months behind the start of shooting for Picard, so I think it's very likely that comes right after Picard. I disagree with that okay. timeline. I think it's going to be Picard, Lower Decks, Discovery for two reasons but, but why 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 lower, lower decks is animated so why block off amount of time for that couldn't that be something that that's concurrent with something else like if they were gonna if they can get people to sign up for th- you know three extra months of <laughs> cbs all access they're gonna do that you well, know? I, I follow you. they're not gonna give people two star trek shows at the same time i think lower decks is pretty far along for two reasons one um on her podcast uh tawny newsom i think accidentally said that it's going to start in summer of 2020 so that that doesn't leave much gap between you know but also um our friend nick who works in animation has said that for these types of shows they're done like a year in advance right so like lower decks is probably like ready to go and you know they're still shooting discovery so it's going to be an interesting path. So I, I think um, be watching the news very closely to see any hints or, or whatnot with uh, CBS and Viacom. The other thing that's interesting is there is no CEO at CBS. So they, they've kind of kept that open on purpose, you know, while these deals come because it's just one less thing you have to argue with. So it could be even another direction that comes with a new leader. It's funny. And it all comes down to the bottom line. So getting those subscribers in, the timelines that you guys just illustrated, I wasn't even thinking about that. And that makes a lot of sense to have something running every quarter as a competitiveness now for streaming. With Disney coming, Netflix is dying, I mean, as far as financially. It's it's quite a battle. So Star Trek could literally rise up and, and keep CBS All Access running for a long time, or it could financially drain it. It depends. It's going to be very fascinating because these are so expensive. I think the other thing that hasn't been highlighted as much, but I've seen in some of these news reports about the merger, is they're not going to just end with that, like CBS and Viacom. They're going to look for others to merge with. I think some names were thrown out there, like Discovery and some other like companies because... Discovery Channel. Yeah, not like Star Trek Discovery, but like the the company that owns Discovery Channel. Because even CBS and Viacom together are so much smaller than, you know, Disney or all of the other ones they have to compete with out there. So I think they're going to look at continually like merging with others to become like a bigger media powerhouse. And it'll be interesting to see how that might change the dynamic of what happens with Star Trek as well. If this comes together, you heard it first, keep your eyes on Sprint. Pulling what AT&T did. So I have Sprint. Is that good or bad for me? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you can download for free. All right. I get Hulu for free from Sprint. But uh, but to, to re- jump back real quick and answer your question, I, I don't know. This Section 31, it's an odd duck because they, they, they announced it like a long time ago. And then since then, Picard has, has let the world on fire. Anson Mount has let the world on fire to Pike. People want that. Like that has dropped to the very bottom of the radar and the interest list, you know. Although they've set it up, they have the set for the for that ship. They have Michelle Yeoh. They have Tyler. You know he's in charge now. So they have the the, the Klingon. All the stuff left over from from Discovery from the twenty third century. They'll pick that back up in that show. 
So, but we'll see where we are in two years. It could be like, remember when DC Comics announced that panel with all the with all the movies for the next five years? We got about half of those movies. So I'm not saying it's a similar deal, but, the, you know, they're going to look at a lot of factors when it comes time to actually start production, I think. It's true. It's, it's lower on what people are thinking about, but that's partly because CBS has chosen to really push these other things that are actually in production where they have trailers and they have things that are, that are going on. Um, I, I think that the Section 31 series certainly won't be like what everybody wants to see, but there'll be a cert- there'll be people like us who just watch everything. But there will be some people that will take a specific like real interest in that. And I, I do really think it's going to happen. I do think they didn't anticipate that people would much more want like a Pike series than anything else. So they were kind of taken aback by the bet. But I really do think that they'll do both. We'll see if I'm wrong. Well, and then also I think season two of Discovery turned into such a Section 31 show. People are like, all right. We're good with that for now. Like I think it was people didn't expect that much, and so they're kind of that that thirst has been quenched for that for now anyway. We'll be more, but and then and then they have to figure out how to get Michelle Yeoh back. That's what I think for season three of Discovery. She's going to be more like a, like a Doctor Smith on Lost in Space, kind of doing her own agenda mm-hmm. and find a way back by herself. And that's really the only way to do it because yeah. this, Discovery can't not go back to the twenty third century because they've they've really closed the book no, on that. And, they, and they've said they're, yeah. they've said they're not really going to take Discovery back to the twenty third century. But Michelle Yeoh, I don't know, find some like. Time, time, yeah, or or like some wormhole or something that sends her back, or some reason why she might want to engineer something to go back or whatever. But or the time crystals, <laughs> yeah, time crystals. That's the answer to everything. I would, if I had a time crystal, I would go back and give myself more sleep at the moment. It's interesting because as a kind of an external observer to the US, I know nothing about mergers in Viacom and whoever that is. Um, so. Is there a risk that if companies keep merging and become like become big enough to compete with likes of Disney, that it could dilute the Star Trek brand? I I think that um, I mean that's always a possibility, but I think it's unlikely because actually when they've been talking about these merger this merger, one of the things that's been a motivating factor is actually keeping Star Trek together. And putting Star Trek back together, actually, for the movies and and the the TV series, um, and and I think that so far, at least, they've recognized that for Star Trek, they need to try to have people involved that uh, that have some familiarity with Star Trek or Star Trek fans. Of course, it's a mix. Like some are, some aren't. That's how it's been for you know every show since after the original series. But I think that's possible. But I think it's unlikely because i think they've gotten success with doing what they're doing and i i don't think that it'll it'll be something that'll like dilute it or make it so that we're just like this isn't it anymore but yeah i, I think what what's interesting is if um and and i recommend we, we've got to do two things and my first recommendation is listen to the investor calls every quarter for for cbs and listen to the ones for viacom they're i have tre- i have trekcore do that for me yeah and i and i read the reports on it it's it's pretty good well just listening live is pretty cool yeah, uh, we, we do it all the time for our company, so I know how it works. And one of the things that, um, you know, it's a quarter-to-quarter business, okay? That's the, every company in the world is quarter-to-quarter. And if you have one Star Trek series and many, many of the subscribers then cancel and pop back up, so they show a growth and a decline, a growth and decline, companies can't stand that. So it makes a lot of sense what you guys laid out about having that quarter-to-quarter-quarter show so the subscriptions first stay steady. And then they could build other shows outside of Star Trek. So that forms the foundation for stability, and companies love stability. So that's one. So that's a good thing to kind of pay attention to. The other thing I think we could do as a group, there's six of us, yeah, 
Let's go. Shazad's got to be in section 31. She, he's here. Let's get him. Let's find out. Let's, let's just, let's just bring him up to the room and tell, ask us what he knows. You know, he did just give an interview, uh, with someone, uh, I think last week where he pretty much said, yeah, that he is in the show, but he also, he also like really downplayed it. Like, well, it's going to be, we got to get schedules to line up and everything. And all of the producers are like, we're going right now, you know? So I think, I don't know. I mean, they've, They've been working on writing the thing for a while for Section 31, right? So, yeah. So is there anything else from the convention anybody else wants to mention? Amy, you were at the Kate Mulgrew panel? I really put her at the same level as William Shatner. I mean, she's so eloquent. She's so deep and prolific. Like, she can speak so well. Puts us to shame. She interacts with the fans. She... I think is wise. She gives good counsel and just from her perspective. So it was very empowering, enlightening. She, she just did an amazing job. And, you know, I, I love my captain Picard, but I mean, as far as captains go, like Kate Mulgrew, she's, she's up there for me now. And I think with seven and nine being in Picard, Voyager is going to get a lot more spotlight on it. Like I'll probably rewatch it. I haven't watched Voyager in a while, so I'll probably take a look at that. So that's that all goes together. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'd love to see Janeway and Picard, or actually anybody. There's potential for so much crossover with stuff in the 24th century. But there is one thing I wanted to mention that was one of the most impressive things I have ever seen. In Quarks, there was this huge model of the Enterprise E. Mm that was so phenomenal and like handcrafted parts, hand-shaped stuff, like no machinery that they worked on, thousands of hours of work, I, I think these guys from from Germany did. And it was on display and it was, I don't know, several feet long at least. And it was just like one of the most amazing things I have ever seen. And I wanted to make sure to, to we talked about that. Justin, I have a question for you. Did it have 24 or 29 decks? You know, I I didn't notice. I think... <laughs> The Enterprise E does have several secret decks. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, could you get a picture of Joe next to the Enterprise E so we could just keep Justin in complete amazement? For <laughs> you know, and I don't think we mentioned it, but Joe, you had, some of those your costumes you made yourself. I think what is most impressive um, about me, uh, <laughs> um, I only learned to sew last summer. Um, so being a teacher, you get seven weeks off, or Amy Nelson gets like three months off and travels the U.S. every summer. Um, but yeah, I thought I'd, every summer I like to kind of keep myself busy and give myself new challenges. And last summer it was to sew. Didn't even have a sewing machine, so I had to borrow my mom's. Um, and didn't, no, I knew nothing about it, so it's been a huge challenge, especially with the Discovery uh, costumes. Uh, and nobody's ever obviously made a Discovery scant before, so you have to kind of take it apart and kind of reconstruct it and figure out how to make two-dimensional shapes. And you were making that before we saw it on non, right? I, I invented it. I have tweeted Gersha Phillips, the Discovery costume designer. I will quit teaching and move to Toronto if she... <laughs> I will get her coffee if she needs... <laughs> need to learn. She can be my... I can be her Padawan. Yeah. You know, one other thing that they started last year, I think they only had three like teaching Trek panels and that was more of you know, educational more, you know, getting in line and in into the philosophy or stuff like that there was teaching trek every single day i don't i don't 
remember how many panels there were, but they were so amazing. One of them was looking at uh, looking at the Klingons, and they went through all the series, you know, and what that means for our social and moral situations here. I mean, each of the panels that I went to, even just for a little bit, I learned so much, and I was so grateful that they're getting more of the science involved in the education. I mean, there was Trek and STEM and just really amazing. So I'm looking forward and hoping that they will continue getting more of that educational, intellectual side into the convention as well. It was really interesting. Yesterday, the, um, it was a panel with the NASA JPL scientists um, and the number of kids that were there and got up to ask questions. So it was, it was about inspiring future generations to go into STEM and um, or see the links with real life science and Star Trek, which I found really interesting. The other one um, from a few days ago was Dr. Erin McDonald on the physics of Star Trek specifically. Um, and it turns out, I spoke to her afterwards, it turns out we both went to Glasgow University. She's, she's from the US, but she um, went and lived in Glasgow for a while. So it was really nice to kind of meet up. It's a pretty neat connection. And this is not <clears throat> me being a wise ass because I know I'm known for that. But seriously, is there anything that you'd like to see taught? And is there anything you think you could teach with your math background, statistics, all that other stuff that would relate to Star Trek? Because I think that would be kind of neat if you could pull that off. Yeah, I was very impressed by the number of you know, presenters that were like, well, I teach a course about Star Trek. And I'm like, man, how, how do I get this gig? <laughs> but he was teaching, I think, uh, over in Asia. I can't remember, somewhere over there. And it seemed like it wasn't U.S.-centered, even though I have come across a lot of teachers. And I insert Trek anecdotes into my teaching. But uh, it, it was very, very impressive, like relating some of the science and just sort of like you were saying, the inspiration, the what can we look forward to, even if it's just getting your head out of the books and using your imagination to see what's there. And I think Trek does that brilliant. I was just going to say, speaking of like impressive stuff that we've seen, did you guys see that music video that won the uh, contest? <laughs> uh, thank, thank you, Mike. My wife, Rosie Varela, submitted a music video set to original music uh, from her band. Uh, which is called Something Something Sound System. And they did this video, Hurricane, and it won the contest. So we were there and we were kind of in shock. And um, can you, Justin, can you not remember the name of the band? I already said it. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, something, I get something. It. Yeah, yeah, it, it's kind of a joke. But Something Something Sound System. Anyway, so that's my wife and, uh, and two people, Ross and Sebastian in El Paso, who do an amazing job with their music. So it was set to an original song and um, she edited together footage from uh, season one of Discovery, specifically Stamets' Spore Jumps. And I think it was really impressive and I'm glad that it won and some of you got to see it in the hall. But thank you for mentioning that, Mike. <laughs> like, why didn't we have her do the music for uh, the line, you know? Come on, seriously. So as we kind of wrap it up here, you know, at the end of every convention, it's always like, what... What did you like best? What do you think has the most room for improvement for next year? Uh, because, you know, I, I went, the, my first con was 2016 here, and uh, my first startup Las Vegas, and I was like, okay, I'll come back to this, like, every five years or something, whatever. And so I didn't go in 2017. I was like, man, I, I really want to go. So, I, so, I, so I, I, I missed it, and I came back um, last year, and I came back this year, 
And I, I'm seriously considering keep keep coming back. I'm not sure what my schedule is going to be, but it's just so much fun to see all your guys and hang out and and uh, you know, like Joe was saying, like it's it's you, you do the panels and you see the people like the first time. Then after that, it's more about hey, where what are we doing next? Where where can I see you? What are what are our plans even outside the convention? So um, there's a lot of intangibles there. But anyway, all that to say. Uh, I'll pass the mic around and we and we can kind of say like what was your favorite thing and then and what would you like to see maybe you know improve from Creations Front for example uh, for next year's con or the future cons. Yeah, I mean it's it's always great to to be here at STLV and see all of the people that you don't get a chance to see the rest of the year and you know some of the panels are great and things that happen that are great. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I could definitely tell you last year the favorite thing was seeing Patrick Stewart come out, but for this for this year maybe it's. It's it's a it's a little bit it's a little bit harder. And as I was thinking about it, I thought it seemed like last year there were actually some more panels and more things that were going on. Like they had the screening of Far Beyond the Stars. They didn't have a screening of like an episode like that. And they, some they of the did trials and tribulations. they did trials yeah. and tribulations. I must have missed that. Okay, well, forget that. <laughs> it was early in the morning. I wasn't awake. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say because a lot of it was great. I have to say that motion picture panel with. Douglas Trumbull talking about the special effects and how it was done was a real highlight because he is a legend and you were getting to hear him talk about how he did this and how he did things in 2001, which is such an amazing classic, one of my favorite movies. So that was probably a highlight, just hearing the knowledge from this guy who is just like a wizard <laughs> at so many things. So that that was probably a highlight. I mean, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, just want something that's like a big surprise like we have with Patrick Stewart last year. That's the only thing that I'd say like that needs to be improved. We need to have like some giant thing. Unless for some reason at the Lower Decks panel there's some like big surprise and like, I don't know, Kate Mulgrew and Avery Brooks are doing voices for it or yeah, some Avery something Brooks, amazing yes. like that. That would be that would be the biggest shocker ever. But but anyway, no, it's 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 just a great thing and you know, I think we'd encourage you listeners to join us here when you can. Yeah, the panel that I'm still looking forward to the most is the Lower Decks panel. And I, I, yeah, even if there are no reveals, I think that'll be very interesting. Kind of speaking to that in terms of improvement, like I totally get that actors are the face of the franchise and that's what everyone wants to see and all that stuff. But I really do think that if they were to get more behind the scenes people involved, you know, writers and directors and stuff, that that would really be way more interesting. I mean, for everybody, when you look at the questions which are being asked of the actors, they're all questions which are for the writers. <laughs> so let's get the writers in there, you know? I mean, yeah, it's not going to be a huge draw for people, but it's going to be way more interesting, I think. Let's get writers and actors together on yeah, get writers and actors together. Yeah. They, they play off each other well. Like, writers can help actors remember stuff. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. Like, you can jog the memory. And there's there, there's a good balance between, like, Jonathan Frakes goofing around and then, like, somebody like Ronald D. Moore who's like, well, you know, Picard, you got to understand, you know. And it's, it's Yeah, I'm totally with you. Two things that would be my favorite. Amy mentioned it. The, the more panels with um, teaching with Trek. I think that's really important. Also, Justin, you mentioned the Scratch Belt Enterprise E, which like f is utterly phenomenal. I think it's just made out of EVA foam and cardboard. Yeah, it's ridiculously good. Um, one thing I missed was the Ink Works Bar, the episodes that were on a loop, and you could just sit down, eat your lunch, and watch Star Trek episodes. And they've replaced it with some ad for 
some Star Trek oh, man, yeah. gaming gambling machine. Yeah, which you can't even play. Yeah, that was lame. Yeah, like completely. not that like like Star Trek is all in my head anyway, but it's just nice to have it around on the screen. It feels like com- comfort, you know. And it's like, what is this advertisement now? I like, just where's my episode? It's 100. percent I watched Gambit for the first time like five years last year <laughs> on the screen there at lunch. And, you know, overall, I thought um, they did a great job putting the convention together. I can't think of anything that um, I was disappointed in not seeing because I I understand the dynamic with CBS and Viacom. So I really do want to see the movies get more love uh, as we go forward just because I like that stuff. Um, But that's just a personal thing for me. What I think is really going to be interesting as a dynamic, though, is you go into the vendors room. Still quite a few vendors there. But with each new series comes another 10, 12, 15 actors, right? And it was amazing to me to see, you know, the Enterprise guys, the Deep Space Nine guys, those old, they're kind of getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And some of the, you know, they have some actors who, you know, played a scene and a role and, and they're, you know, Corbin Burnson. Corbin some other Burnson. Yeah, I yeah. love Corbin Burnson. Yeah, dude, you were in one scene 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And he's great, you know, but I mean, I, I'm just saying it's just interesting. So you're going to see, I think, as these as these go on, so many more of these autograph selfie stations with all these folks and i was talking to one of the new cast members on discovery just uh, shaking his hand saying congratulations on the gig this is great no matter where the show goes you've got a place to go for life he said yeah it's like a a great family here so you're going to see that a lot and it's it's going to be much more actor based i think even going forward because you've got all these series taking off so i think it's fun by the way but i do kind of felt like in the 80s when they were talking about next generation there was a lot of negative press and a lot of it forwarded by the original cast because they were worried about these folks taking their livelihood away from them and it was just an interesting dynamic you know and as as this starts to grow it's it's going to be interesting to start see that transition where it's going to be kind of out with the old and you know and and because of picard it'll keep that cast around but a lot of those folks they're not going to get the money or the income they used to get it's just interesting it's interesting you say that because there is like a whole wall for Discovery now, and then next year you might have one for Picard or Section Thirty One or Lower Decks. It almost seems like they have the at some point they might have to have a separate like vendors room and like a place actors to see actors, right? Yeah, and, they, and, they, and they, that's what they did for the fiftieth, actually. Right. That's what they did. Yeah, the actors have their own room, and then the vendors have their own room, so they might have to go back to that. Yeah. Well, one thing that again, Creation did a great job. I. Like you were saying, walking down the halls, hearing the different music playing and the big storyboard things and, you know, photo opportunities, backdrops and everything. Um, But with going back to the teaching tricks, sorry, I'm always going back to that. But, you know, they started it last year. Every single time I went to the teaching trek last year, it was cram packed. And they did open up a new theater, the CBS All Access Theater, which is in Quark's Bar. So it's in a place where everyone's talking, eating lunch, and you're trying to have a panel or a presentation, which to me does not warrant that to be there. Like you you have a huge convention center and you've got a theater, a stage where you're presenting. Anyway, so that annoyed me. And then, (laughs) but again, all the seats were filled every time there was a teaching trek, which I think is why they increased it to 10 presentations this year. But I went every single time I could barely find a seat. It's standing room only. And then I would go to the Kelly Theater 
it was empty. And I'm like, I don't think I've even been in that at all. (laughs) (laughs) This time. So I I don't understand why they haven't said, oh, there's tons of people going to the CBS All Access on these panels. There's no one going. The Kelly Theater is empty. They need to switch them. They need to figure out and realize their who their clients and customers are is that we want this educational intellectual discussion in a worthy stage and theater. One thing about those rooms that um, like the Kelly theater, the CBS all access and quarks, it's all, it's just one big room and there's partitions up. So there's nothing to stop them putting a partition up between the cafe area and the CBS all access area. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess for me, it, it's interesting. I have I have no perspective on what it was like here before the 50th anniversary. And of course, that was the biggest one, and it probably will be for a long time. You know, when I came last year, I was like, "Oh, wow, it's 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 not as big as it was on the 50th to be expected." This year, I think it was about it was probably about the same as last year. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to see. I mean, we're talking about rooms and things like that. I did I did notice the Guardian Forever was not here. I missed oh, that. Sure, yeah. I got a good foot off that last year. Good thing I did because it's not forever after all. <laughs> uh, sitting on that one. But <laughs> random just observation was like, you know, they had all these banners because it's actually a lot of fun to stay uh, to the end of the day Sunday because they have this um, auction about all the like banners and signs and things of that nature. And uh, I noticed there weren't any banners this year, just more stand ups like cardboard stand ups. So I guess that's cheaper to do, which is fun. I don't care. It's just an interesting observation. But I think with with the new shows, Picard has people excited. We have lower decks. We have more shows coming. Uh, I think that will like be a good shot in the arm to for continuing for people to come here because you're not because you know before the 50th and and then you know the, the Kelvin timeline is, is paramount those people weren't coming here for that so it was just probably on a downward trend you know but now we're on an upward trend and hopefully that'll continue and that's great so so here's to you know 10 more years of them doing it here and and yeah so for me uh, my favorite thing this year was probably the uh, Jason Isaacs and Anson Mount because uh, like like Ken said earlier Anson Mount. Um, very thoughtful guy, uh, much like Pike, right? Very introspective, thoughtful guy. Very, very low energy though when it comes to answers. Not very quick. And then Jason Isaac came out there. Boom! Electricity. Doing them together like a comedy act. I love that. They yeah, they need <laughs> they need each other. Right, yeah, we need a Pike and Lorca show together. Is what we need. And then William Shatner's panel. I mean, he's 88. He killed it. He's a lifelong entertainer, and he entertained as always. And so that was great, funny, and serious stuff that he he mentioned. So those so those are those are my highlights. And of course, seeing all you guys again. So. Um, so yeah, I mean that's gonna do it for our for our coverage of of this week's uh, this month this year's Star Trek Las Vegas 2019. <laughs> do we need to tell people who we are? Do people? I mean, they really should know who we are. Yeah, I mean, come on, who are you? If you're gonna listen to this, you know who we are. But yeah, so we got Zach, Justin, Mike, Joe, Ken, and Amy over here. You can hear us all on Standard Orbit or on Earl Grey or on the many projects that Mike does. <laughs> Outside of the network, but specifically coming up on uh, tracks from the lion. So the tracks from the lion and tracks from the edge. I, I host the edge also. And Amy also hosts the edge. So you can hear her over there. So maybe we don't know who we are. But anyway, <laughs> thank you guys so much for all your support. We love seeing you guys out here at Star Trek Las Vegas. Keep coming. We love interacting with you. Thank you for your uh, for your listening. Because without you, we're just sitting here in a room talking to ourselves. So until next year at Star Trek Las Vegas. Live long and prosper. All right. Well, that was a fun panel to have. It's always fun to have, you know, this amount of, you know, hosts in the same room at the same time. It's in these kind of conventions.
are the only time that really happens. Uh, so anyway, v- very, very fun to have those discussions. Uh, kind of, you know, and we're always hanging out, having these kinds of discussions throughout the convention, but we always make it a point to sit down all together at least once uh, at Star Trek Las Vegas and have a dedicated discussion. So that was a lot of fun. But hey, we're here back. It's the end of the day Sunday. There were a few panels today. A lot of discovery panels today. And uh, I know I-, I went to a few of the panels. Lance, how-, how many did you go to? I guess we were pretty much at most of the same ones, right? Yeah, I went to the last three of the day. Uh, the main three of the day, so the main three discovery panels. And I think it's interesting that discovery panels, I mean, discovery currently is the flagship show of Star Trek, right? I mean, it's the one that's on right now. I mean, Picard will become that when it comes out. I think we all know that. But discovery had all its major panels. I don't think there were any. No, no, I take that back because we had Anson Mount and Jason Isaacs previously, and they were great. Uh, especially together. And Jason Isaacs, to, to me, other than Shatner, is, is the most entertaining guy. He steals the show. So, uh, But he was back today unexpectedly on one of the Discovery panels he showed up at. And uh, and there were actually three. The, the supporting cast, and then more supporting cast. And then, uh, actually, there were four Discovery panels. That's right. So there was <laughs> the, the bridge crew, and basically the Klingons, plus Jason Isaacs, and then uh, the... Pretty much everyone but Sneakle Martin Green, and then Sneakle Martin Green had her own panel as the fourth one. And it's interesting to me that they put all the Discovery shows on the last day, a lot of it later in the day. Because there's a lot of people, as we know, this is a five-day event now, because creation has expanded into five days since the 50th anniversary. And to put your, what in theory would be your, you know, heavy-heating panels with your, you know, most popular at, you know, at the time shows on a Sunday is interesting. The fact that it's established that a lot of people they leave early, they leave either on Sunday or even you know before. Or at some point during Sunday, that's a travel day for a lot of people because they want to get back to back to life on Monday. So, what did you think about the fact that the the bulk and meat of the Discovery panels were on Sunday, especially Sunday afternoon? Um, I thought it was odd, uh, especially as you were saying, like you know, Discovery is basically the headline event. It was on the banner, like, you know, in front of the insignia, like at the beginning, like when we walked into the convention. So it's it's the current show. It's just odd that it was that their day was the last day. Now I get them having a dedicated day for for discovery, but it's odd that they were the last day. You know, I was thinking about this and I think it's a two pronged thing. I think one, they know that people leave really like, well, what if we put discovery on that day? Maybe that would encourage them to stay. All right. That's probably part of the thing. And two, Saturday is your main day. And, you know, William Shatner is still the heavy hitter, the anchor of Star Trek. And they build that day around him. Like, he ha- he has all his photo ops and autographs that day. He has a big panel that day. Kind of, I think it was like a 11. Uh, so that's like kind of the, you know, right when the meat of the day starts. And they don't want to lose that. Um, so that that was probably like, well, the, and then whatever his schedule is, right? Because he's a busy guy, as we all know. So they probably build it around that, but but I really think it was it was more let's experiment with trying to get the discovery you know panel to get people the panels to get people to stay longer and stuff because uh, Sneak Martin Green you know last year she was on a panel with like you know Doug Jones and and the the, the core cast of Discovery, but this year they kind of gave her own panel, and let's talk about that for a second because Sneak Martin Green right uh, a lot of great things to say all right problem is she doesn't have a lot of opportunity to discuss them. <laughs> Because the moderator, Adam Malin from Creation, he basically took everyone, and a lot of people, I tweeted about it, a lot of people were tweeting about it, a good 25 minutes, like pretty much half her time up there, 
Now, and she interjected with, like, stories and stuff during this time. But a good half or more of her panel was him basically summarizing every episode <laughs> of Discovery. And people are like, dude, we've seen the episodes, right? And if you haven't seen them, you just spoiled them all. So it, no one wins from this conversation. It, it was like, it became funny after a while because you talked about, like, the first couple episodes. I'm like, okay, that's setting the groundwork for the, I get it, right? Like, oh, Captain Georgiou and your relationship and you're a mutineer and, okay, that's the character. Great. But then we went to like the third. He's like, and then when the Discovery showed up on that prison transport and, and of course the Tardigrade. And we're like, are you going to go through every episode? Yeah. And then he actually ended up basically doing it. Like, I couldn't believe it. And, and to, her, to her credit, she did try to like fast forward through. He's like, okay, well, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna fast forward a little bit. But he kept coming back to it. It's like, dude, read the room. Yeah. And, it, and you know, like at the end of it, I just ended up feeling bad for Sonequa because she has a lot of good things to say. She has she's high energy. She's into her role. She's into the fandom. And we couldn't really get to know her more or have her speak her mind on some different things about the show or like, you know, or, or the part uh, until like she until the, it was opened up for questions for her. Like, you know, you would think that like the like the the first half of it, you know, it would be different types of questions, not a recap of seasons one and two of Discovery. Sneak Martin Green, you know, I saw, I actually saw her when she kind of came in through like the back tunnel they from the talent. You know, she was coming in, and a lot of people were like ah, they're freaking out because she's walking by. And it, it was real, it was real touching to hear like there was some, there was a group of younger women, and they're like, yeah, I love Star Trek because of you. And she's like, oh, I love you too. Like that's and that's great to hear, you know. So the impact she's having on the fandom is 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 definite. Yeah, and then not just not just the fandom, but like her cast. When when they talk about her, they they legit get emotional. They love her, and she loves them, and she makes that cast feel like a family. And it's it's uh, you could tell like, and that's like they seem to be a fun cast. You know, they they seem they seem to have a fun set because you know you here in the fandom like you know like you know kind of which series was a fun set and which one was not, and it seems to me that uh, Discovery is a fun set, and that was all because of her. Yeah, I mean, she's the first on the call sheet. You know, she's the lead of the show, and she sets the tone, and it's a great tone because yeah, everybody has nothing but positive, overwhelmingly positive things about her who work on the work on the show, and it's great to hear that. And uh, and yeah, as you said, she has a lot of energy. She she takes to heart a lot everything what the fans say. She really kind of considers. And gives she has deep answers for a lot of this stuff, you know. And so, uh, so yeah, she, she she's great up on stage and with the fans. Uh, I I just wish she had more opportunity. I think giving her her own panel is a good idea, but I I also think they need to like do it like with because I've seen Shatner both ways. So one with Adam Malin, <laughs> it was talking, you know, it's an interview kind of thing, and then with him just up there answering questions, and the ones with him just himself are infinitely better. And then we saw more Lower Decks today. There was another panel on Lower Decks. By the way. I, I was kind of like, okay, they're doing an animated show. I can take it or leave it. I mean, what's well, kind of a weird choice, but it's a comedy. Uh, seeing the panel today for Lower Decks, I'm actually a lot more excited about it. I'm really looking forward to it because they said they established it's going to be in 2380, so it's like around the time of the next-gen movies. Uh, it's going to be like on a, uh, on a ship that does like second contact, uh, which is an amusing concept, not first contact. They kind of come in after. It's always we joke about that ship that followed Kirk's Enterprise around, kind of cleaned to the messes that he would leave. <laughs> like that, That's what this ship is. So that was another panel today. So that has a lot of buzz. And then Discovery was like San Diego Comic-Con. Here's a couple of pictures of Sonequa Martin-Green in a trench coat, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then the guy from Supergirl, who Manchester Black from Supergirl. What's yeah. the actor's name? I can't remember his name, but he looks he, he looks like... Um... He looks like craft uh, from from the short tracks. Yeah, yeah, he definitely. And like, it's there. They're gonna be like is that from his planet. You know, I don't know. I mean, he, that is the same time period, so there's a lot there. But that's really all we know, and we know they're in the future, and that's all there is. Uh, and plus, the way season two ended, it didn't really leave you with a lot of like, 
oh, I can't wait to see what happens. Like as we've said on this show, it's like, oh, well, Discovery's over now. It's time for the Captain Pike show, and that's the other thing. That's the other fact. Captain Pike is the show that people like are climbing for. Um, so anyway, I'll have to say, um, because because you're talking about attendance and Sundays and all this stuff. You're just thinking because at the end of the day, we're wrapping up our, our thoughts here, and you know, uh, it was I didn't go to every panel by far. You know, because uh, I was only here for three of the five days. The most full that I saw it was William Shatner's and the Picard's panel, and like those were like you know standing room only almost. And then for and there were a lot of empty seats all day today, and it's like, well, man, you know, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it, it, that's here's the thing: you put Discovery on Sunday, people were probably still gonna leave. You put a Picard panel on Sunday, people might be tempted to stay. I think that's kind of what I'm trying to say. It's like the pulse of the fandom. I don't. What do you do? You agree with that or? I agree with that. Yes. And I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what creation does for next year as far as the scheduling is concerned, because I, I, I'm going to say right now, discovery will be on a different day <laughs> and, and we'll, and I'm not sure what they're going to do with Sunday, but it, I don't think discovery will be there on Sunday. Yeah. I don't even remember what day was on yesterday to be uh, yesterday. Uh, day it was on last year, to be honest, I'll have to pull up my, <laughs> pull up my schedule and, and, and take a look. But, uh, but anyway, uh, those are just some thoughts from, uh, from Sunday, and you know, speaking of, I know we talked about some of the big panel. Um, uh, the Picard panel was interesting, uh, because it had Jonathan Frakes, Jerry Ryan, and Jonathan Delarco. Uh, great to have Frakes up there. Obviously, he's your TNG connection because there wasn't. It was a little light on TNG, which ended up being the TNG panel with Michael Dorn and Lavar Burton. That was it because everybody else, like Frakes, was on the Picard panel. Brent Spiner was here by himself earlier in the show. But it was everybody, of course, was asking more about Picard. Gates McFadden was on the Doctor's panel, which is actually really cool. I really like that Doctor's panel with all the Doctors, um, all the you know living Doctors of all the shows, and main Doctors. And uh, yeah, that was it. So there really was no big TNG panel. And usually those guys thrive when they're all together out there. They definitely do because they 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 are a hoot. Uh, but the TNG panel with uh, with with. Uh, Jordy and, and Worf was great. So I I was at that one and I enjoyed hearing them talk. They just kind of, sh- you know, shot straight from the hip, told some stories, uh good uh good interaction with the fans. Burton uh allowed a um a blind attendant of, of the of the of the convention uh to feel and like and, and look get a look at the at his uh, at his visor, which was a really cool moment. Um because he was talking about it because he, he asked him a question about what, um, him acting as a blind person and what he had to do and all those other stuff, and then he he kind of mentioned offhand that he would he would like to you know to feel the the visor just so he can get a good look at it, as he said. And uh, and so while he was talking, uh, Burton went over and, and let him uh, let him take a look at it, which was really cool. Yeah, very cool. Levar's a cool guy. And uh, speaking of Levar Burton, I actually got a an autograph for our co-host Haley Stoddard because Jordy is her favorite character on the next generation. So I went up to the uh, VARS booth and, and got an autograph. And it's funny because I, I give him this, uh, this cast photo of TNG and I say, Hey, my friend Haley, Jordy's her favorite TNG character. Uh, you're my second, you know, just kind of joking. I went, I, I ranked Jordy probably. In- <laughs> like four- so I guess I lied to him a couple of times. Now I think about it because <laughs> I ranked Jordy after data, Worf, Picard, Riker, then Jordy. Then Troy, and then as the honest trailer of the next generation said, and Doctor Crusher, who's just kind of there, because <laughs> uh, she has like three episodes, and one of them's good. But anyway, so I say, oh, you're my second favorite. He's like, oh, okay, I can live with that. I can live with that. And then I just try to continue. I'm like, oh yeah, and I grew up watching on Rain Rainbow, obviously. You know, love you. They say, well, hold on, hold on. Well, who is your, who's your favorite then? It's not Data, is it? I was like, no, <laughs> and it is. 
And he's like, well, then who is it? Did you lie to me? Is it Data? And I said, yeah, it's Data. And then he's like, I knew it. Because <laughs> him and Spiner, you have that fake, right? Because Spiner's right next to him. So so that was funny. Uh, I, li- I lied to Captain Kirk. Uh, no, I, so I, yeah, I lied to him, but then I, I came clean. Uh, but actually, I guess, like I said, I just realized that I he's not my second favorite either. <laughs> what do you tell somebody? You hand him a cast photo, and he tell him, this is for not me. It's for my friend. So anyway. He had a lot of really funny moments. The other funny moment he had was when he was he was talking about, like, you know, the cast being his family, and he was talking, he was going to try to talk about his wedding, and he was like, yeah, and, you know, when, when I got married in, you know, 1982, and then... <laughs> He's uh uh Doran is just like he's like no he's like that was uh he's like that was 1992 and he's like oh god and everybody started laughing and then he's like please don't tell my wife and then oh uh, Doran was just like he's like he's like they're already probably tweeting about it right now that works uh no, you know it's funny uh they that's the thing all the TNG guys they have such great chemistry the whole cast and it just makes you think of those 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 few episodes where there's little moments here and there where, like Worf and Jordy like just hanging out in Tin Ford. Especially, I think it's Transfigurations. I think is the one with uh, when Jordy's still trying to date Christy. Still trying to date that, and Worf's like, "I have much to teach you about women." <laughs> it's just funny, it's like Worf and Jordy, guys, because they grew up and they're like junior officers, right? The first season, so I, I, I buy that they're friends and stuff. So, in, anyway, all that to say, uh, so yeah, so we're kind of just thinking about any kind of random stuff from the convention because, because uh, when Ken and I talk uh, next and on the next show, it'll be just all TOS and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that was really cool. Um, yeah, the vendors' room uh, had a lot of good stuff this year. It's, there are more and more actors in the vendors' room because there's more and more cast members, you know, from like Discovery, you know, and now the, the new Picard show will be coming. Those people will all be here next year, so they might have to expand a little bit. The convention itself, you know, I was I was thinking about this, and uh, and I'm not again, I'm not sure. It's hard for me to gauge still because the 50th was its own thing, and then last year, I think this year and last year were pretty on par. I think they and I mentioned this in the panel, like I feel like that they cut. Like they they cut the uh, the budget as far as the like banners and displays and stuff. That's fine. I mean, I mean, that's not a deal. It's just interesting to know they always have the because we lo- we love going to these these auctions at the end. Last time I actually just came back from from the auction and they auction off these banners that are the size of a wall at your house. And you're like, what are you gonna what are you gonna do with this? Right? People are bidding hundreds upon hundreds of dollars for them. Like, where are you putting this? Even, even the the uh, the auctioneer, I think his name is Zach, actually. Uh, at least I picked up on that people talking to him, but he was like, all right, well, if you want to hang these from your silo, because they're like 30 feet long banners. So they're, they're going to have less to auction off, I guess, because they didn't have banners this year. They had those little stands and they're cheaper to make and less a manpower to, to hang them up and stuff. And so, so that's fine. Just something I noticed. There was no garden in there forever, which, which I was a little disappointed by. Um, but they had, you know, they had the bridge, other things, you know, the, uh, the transporter, the agony booth, the Klingon stuff. So, um. Yeah. I mean, I. Uh. You know, it's enjoyable, and of course, you know, seeing all the people, seeing all our Trek FM friends, and then see, just seeing just fans in general. You know. Oh, funny st- about the Picard. Uh. The the the, Picard, the the lower decks panel, actually. So w- after we recorded our panel, um, uh, this morning, uh, we were going down our our podcast this morning. We were going down the elevator, and there's a guy in there with a Jellico shirt on, <laughs> and we're like, oh, man, like Star Trek Jellico instead of Star Trek Picard. I'm like, oh, that's a cool shirt, man. He's like, oh yeah, thanks. And then we go to the lower decks panel, and that guy's on the panel. He's a writer <laughs> for this for the show, and uh, and I forget now what his name. I, I wrote it down, so I'm gonna follow him on Twitter and stuff. Cause I cause then I ran into him and another guy, another writer. Sorry guys, you guys are new. Yeah, we'll learn your names. But I ran into him on the on the floor on the vendor floor, and I was talking to him for a couple minutes, and and uh, like, yeah, hey, you guys like recording a podcast? You're like, oh yeah, we were track of him. So like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. I'm like, oh, cool, we'll follow you, and you follow us, and we'll we'll, we'll catch up down the down the line. But I was able to tell him like, hey, we loved your shirt. First of all, we didn't know you were part of the show. And I told him I was really excited for Lower Deck, so I, I am. 
So yeah, that and then you know we mentioned earlier, but you know Aaron Harvey's book on uh, on the animated series. I bought that one of the one of the few advanced copies that exist. So I'll I'll make sure uh, to read that and and pro- we'll probably uh, work on getting Aaron on the show to, to talk about that because it is an adventure of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. So yeah, I mean it's a a good good convention. You know, I, every year I'm like, eh, I'll probably come back in five years, but then it's like, eh, I don't know, maybe we'll come back next year after all. So we'll uh, we'll see about that. But any any final thoughts on the uh, SDLV 2019 land? Just interesting with the schedule. It'll be interesting to see, especially with the new shows coming out, what what will be in store for this convention as the years progress. So I guess it's just a waiting game at this point. But I had a great time, at, like I did last year and the the time before. So uh, looking forward to the next time I come out. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, you know, Ken and I got to meet Robin Curtis, who of course played Savick in Star Trek Three and Star Trek Four, and then also we met uh, Jacqueline Kim, who played Demora Sulu in Star Trek Generations. So we we had some uh, nice conversations with both of them, and hope to have both of them on the show uh, coming up in in the weeks ahead. And uh, you know, obviously the picture with Walter Koenig. Oh yeah, there was one thing we were standing in line. Uh, actually, yeah, you, you were there with us, and Walter Koenig was like two people in front of us, and I was like, hmm. I feel like I should like say. I think he's literally like a person away from me. I'm like I could say something to him right now. I didn't. I often I often think this to myself, and I don't do it. But I was thinking to myself. I I want to go up to him and say. Want to go up to him and say, "Excuse me, are you George Decay?" Like I don't know. That'd be so stupid. But I just like <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do it. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, if there's one thing that I'm sorry I missed is they had a Q continuum panel, and it was literally everyone who had ever played a Q on Star Trek. I thought they had John Delancey. Corbin Burson, yeah, Susie Plaxton, and um, Garrett Graham. That would have been cool because I thought it was just to have to assemble everyone who's ever played a Q like that uh, is pretty neat. I don't know if John Delancey's son was on there because he was on <laughs> another Voyager episode Q too. But you, you, you actually got uh, uh, Corbin Burson's uh, autograph. Yes, I did, and that was uh, that was definitely one of the con highlights of for me this uh, this year. I'm a huge fan of Major League. We both are. Uh, it is the best baseball movie. Um, and so we talked about that and he was, he was talking about his other projects too, that he's really proud of, but he's a Star Trek fan. Uh, so that's why he, he enjoys being here and he was, and his, his booth was right next to Delancey's too. So it was funny watching from afar, those two, like, just like, just kind of ham it up and talk to each other. Well, I, I think last year was his first time here. Uh, if I recall, they had a Q panel and so it's cool to see they expanded that to the whole continuum, uh, this, this year. But it's funny that they spent more time together these things now than they did on screen. They do, he was in one scene in Deja Q and it was a great scene. It was the first other Q we had seen. It was like, Q, Q. Like, their both names were both Q. I'm sure he just came over, like, on an off day from L.A. Law and filmed that. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, he wouldn't do that if he wasn't a Star Trek fan. So, anyway, that's cool. And he looks great, too, for his age. So, he could still play third base for the Indians. Darn! Uh, yeah, seriously, guys, if you haven't seen Major League, do yourself a favor. Check it out. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much our thoughts here uh, from uh, live boots on the ground in, uh, in Las Vegas here for STLV 2019. Uh, so, Lance, thanks again for... Uh, sharing your thoughts with me and sharing, sharing the trip. So we always do. It's kind of our thing we do together. It's the STLV. So uh, if people want to find you out there on the internet, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sir Lance Laster. Alrighty. Well, Star Trek Las Vegas 2019 isn't the only thing that's being talked about on Trek FM this week, although it really should be. But here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, The Ready Room. But Larry, how do you know that there's not a house somewhere out there on the forge where Cybok's in the living room, Michael's in the living room, and there are like six other people in the living room that Amanda and Sarek and Spock never talk about? They t- 
Oh, sure, they took us in for a while and they threw us in the house on the forge. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Wait, so what switched between your two lists? Calypso comes in. Runaway comes in second of importance. Okay. But Calypso comes in second in enhancement of the season. Okay. And really, even importance, I could probably, in my head, flip Calypso and Runaway because I Mm -hmm. don't need Runaway. Standard Orbit. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, is the best-named movie of the first six movies, I think. Because from a marketing point of view, from a Star Trek point of view, it's just a great title. Not talking about the execution of the film, I just mean it's a great title. The other movie titles were, eh, eh, you know, I mean, they weren't that creative. Literary Treks. So I, I think if you have an idea or a story for a Star Trek novel... It would, you would be better served if that came on the heels of the 10 pieces of fan fiction that you've written or whatever, or, or things that you've written on your own that, not necessarily fan fiction, but if you've practiced as a writer and, and have honed your, your craft, because they're going to want you to be a, a good writer. Yeah, they're going to, and, and that comes back to, you know, it's they're going to tie in editors, and this is not just Star Trek, this is anybody. They're going to go with people who have demonstrated an ability to hit their marks, hit their marks clean, easy to work with, or at least able to work with. Um, and, and, and can do that on a, and can do that on a, you know, it's like, okay, I did it once. No. Okay. Well now do it again. Now do it again. Now do it three times in a row. Now do it five times in this one calendar year. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, you can get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MB3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trekfm contact and look at the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm, and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at trekfm.com, and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals, our different milestone contribution levels, along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credit, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon... Thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, Dan Rhodes, and Mike Richards. Your contributions, your help, your support, they mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach, that's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Holding to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman show, you can find us on Twitter at 
Always Mallville with one S. I'm also the co-host of Franchise Fatigue, a podcast where we look at sequels, remakes, movie franchises, and when a franchise gets fatigued. You can find us on Twitter at UFP Earth, part of the United Federation of Podcasts. So thanks everyone for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. Standard Orbit.